Hey, this is Rondé Barber, former Virginia Cavalier, now class of 2023 Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I'm Chris Graham. I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, Jerry Ratcliffe. We're getting ready here on this Friday for UVA and Boston College on Saturday up in Chestnut Hill. Um, maybe we should start with good news. Uh, the good news being basketball practice has begun. Uh, men's and women's basketball, they're they are getting ready for the 2023-2024 season. And um, no no other real news, Jerry, I guess, on the basketball front. No recruiting news or anything like that. But uh, uh, getting ready for, for football this weekend. Uh, once again on Tuesday, Jerry, Tony Elliott talking about his quarterback situation and Kind of like it's been the last few weeks, he he seems to want to go with Tony Musket as a starting quarterback. It really just comes down to, as, as has been the case for a while, Tony Musket's health. What's the latest? Yeah, well, you know, he, uh, Tony, Elliott, Tony Elliott told us Tuesday that he thought that Musket was ready to roll. And so he anticipates him starting against Boston College on Saturday. Um you know, I guess unless something changes during the week um, or had changed during the week, I, I expect we'll see Musket. But we've kind of thought that the last two weeks in a row and still Musket couldn't answer the bell. Instead, we had uh, Anthony Calandria, who has firmly established the uh, the uh, appearance that he can move the chains and put points on the board. But uh I don't know. You're taking a little bit of a risk going back to uh, again and uh, a guy that's sort of unproven in your offense. Uh, his only experience in Virginia's offense obviously was in the opener against Tennessee, and uh, I don't know if you can fairly judge a guy from that game because Tennessee's defense is is pretty good, but uh, he wasn't really able to do much against the volunteers defense, Chris. So we're yet to see uh, what Tony Musket is all about. And I think that's why we're probably going to see him start is the coaching staff is eager to see if he can perform or not. Yeah. I noted in a column this week that uh, Calandria, the true freshman is averaging over 300 yards per game as the starter. He got, he got a little bit of action at the end of that game at Tennessee uh, and Nashville uh, against Tennessee. Um, but as a starter, he's averaging just over 300 yards a game. And I thought it was interesting this week, too, uh, Tony Elliott talking about the running game at Virginia, which is really struggling to get off the mat, uh, averaging just uh, less than uh, 80 yards per game on the ground, um, that uh, you, they they may have found something last week. They ran some design runs for uh, Calandria in the fourth quarter and gained some some good yards that way. Uh, the traditional running game with the backs isn't working, but Calandria's feet can get it working. You wonder if if that's the case, can you rely on a quarterback in Musket who, you know, to be fair, he is he is coming off of a pretty significant left shoulder injury. Can you can you run design uh runs for him at quarterback uh and put him in the risk at the risk there? Um so yeah, I mean it's you know, on the one hand, we hear from Coach Elliott that you know he wants to win games now. And on the other hand, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think I saw Tony say this too this week that we need to see what we got with Musket. That seems to run counter to. I mean, the offense is the offense is doing fine right now. It seems to me. I mean, maybe obviously could do better. They're not winning games, but it's it's rolling the dice here a little bit. It seems to me. It, it truly is. I mean, 
you know, you've got a guy who has built a lot of chemistry with the receivers. Um, he has performed under pressure. He has produced points. He's moved the chains. He has uh, shown that he can throw the ball against college defenses. And he's won the confidence and the trust of his teammates. And, and uh, I think that's a lot to be said, uh, particularly over a three-week period, Chris, where, you know, if, if it was just one week or maybe even two weeks, but uh, it's been three that he's put points on the board and, and moved the team, uh, you're taking a, kind of a risk, I think, bringing Musket back in at this point just to see what he's all about. I, I know the guy won the job in training camp and that a lot of coaches philosophies are you don't lose your job due to an injury, but it's, it's been three weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, if you go up there at, at the BC where you have a chance to win and if Musket lays an egg, uh, what is that, you know, what is, what's going to be the reaction of your fan base when you come back home to play women, Mary, um, I mean, we don't even know what quarterback will start in that, in that uh, scenario. So uh, you could alienate some fan support that way, but you could alienate Calandria too. <laughs> and that's, you certainly don't want to do that because uh, uh, it was brought up during the press conference Tuesday, you know, what sort of a, a scenario is, you know, what if Musket comes in and plays well, then uh, Calandria is on the bench the rest of the year. Uh, does he consider transferring somewhere else? And, you know, that's a, a big chance you take these days because uh, people will transfer at the drop of a hat. Well, there's that because also Musket has another year of eligibility after this year. So if you're, yeah. you know, the, when you, okay, we're really gaming here, game theory in here, but if you're Calandria then and, you, you know, you've already, if if he ends up using up this year from an eligibility standpoint, he's already played in four games. So I, I guess right. uh, he, if he didn't play it all the rest of the year, but if he has to come in an emergency situation, if, if Musket were to be the start of the rest of the year, lots and lots of ifs here. But if he uses the year here and he goes into then his second year of four years of eligibility next year as the backup, um, or he has a chance to transfer and go somewhere else and maybe earn a starting job there, Ah, there's a lot of ifs there uh, that, that you know, I mean, quarterback of the present versus quarterback of the future. I also wonder, Jerry, and, and this is another situation. We talk about this a lot on the show. We don't get to to have the um, relationships with with the players that, you know, you got to have a lot back in the day. Uh, we don't really get a lot of access to the, to the players uh, in this day and age. Certainly during the week, we don't. Uh, there's limited after games uh, on Fridays and Saturdays. So, it's hard for us to say, hey, what's the mood of the locker room? But I wonder, I mean, this is, again, this is all speculation, and I'd be asking you to speculate too, but you just have to wonder what's going on in that locker room, uh, on that offensive side of the locker room. Uh, you know, we got a guy here who's really rolling. You know, we've got three weeks of reps with him. The offense is moving. Um, you know, could there be a dichotomy there? Could there be some guys who like Calandria better, some guys who like Musket better? You know, I mean, that's just human nature. So 
there's that aspect too that could be a play. I'm not saying it is a play, but it certainly could be a play. Yeah, well, it, it could be, and we've seen that happen uh, um, lots of places over the years where it, it will divide a, a team and cause some dissension, but uh, particularly if you're not winning. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, all those possibilities exist for sure, and that's something that uh, I guess that's why head coaches get paid the big bucks, so they, yeah. they've got to figure all this out, but um Anything you do, you're going to be taking a chance um, with player personnel and 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 other and your fan base and everything else. But um, you know, a lot of it will depend on how Calandria reacts to all this because, uh, and he seems like a kid who, uh, as savvy as he is, he, he seems a little bit more mature than his age in terms of, uh, you know, just recognizing what's going on around him. But I mean, we, we brought it up, um, I guess after the first home game when he started and played and we said, you know, what about next week? And he said, well, that's a coach's decision. Uh, he seemed like he would be disappointed. seemed like he would have been disappointed, um, in his mannerisms had um, he not been able to play the following week, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. A lot of it depends on his demeanor and and whether he can handle coming out after having incredible success. I mean, he's only 419 yards passing away from the freshman single season record at Virginia and after only three games and, uh, he's broke the this freshman single game passing record in all three games he's played in. The record set by Jamil Sewell several years ago against Maryland. But uh, you know, we'll see. I, it, it, uh, it's 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 a quandary for sure. And uh, again, I understand both sides of the equation. I I, I I can see where coaches feel that way by not allowing a guy to lose his starting job because of an injury because he did earn it. But then again, even though he earned it, did he lose it by not being able to play for three weeks while somebody else gets hot and proves that they can play almost well enough to win, really well enough to win. They they, they could have won a couple of those games had they not shot themselves in the foot. Virginia could easily be two and two right now. Right. So, um, and that's you know, not we, on. And the two losses aren't those two losses aren't on Calandria. He he did everything he could do in those games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. and you know he and and to be fair, it, I think it's worth pointing out. I've pointed this out a few times. Uh, to to people who've asked me questions about this, uh, Calandria, uh, uh, Musket won the starting job, but he won it at the end of camp. Uh, as late as the final Monday of training camp, to, uh, Tony Elliott was saying it was still a close battle. Uh, and uh, also. This goes away if Musket comes out on Saturday at Chestnut Hill and, you know, leads Virginia to victory, throws for 300 yards, doesn't turn the ball over, everybody's happy. But even then, you know, you still have the issue of what happens to Calandria down the line. That, that, that'd that be a good problem to have if you're a Virginia fan. Um, let's switch focus, Jerry, for a, for a moment to the defense, which had been maligned. We had maligned it. <laughs> Others had maligned it. And, and it deservedly so. It was the right. it was the unit last year that was really uh, the, the the highlight of of last year's season the three and seven season 
dramatic improvements from 2021 last year. Uh, gave up 24 points a game, around 350 yards a game. And then this year, going into last week, before the, the NC State game, was giving up 42.3 points, 460 yards a game. And then last week, played great. Uh, NC State, 319 yards of offense, uh, only the 24 points. Um, and so, hey, they, you know, credit to John Rosinski and his group. And they were missing some guys, but they they played their hearts out last Friday night. Yeah, and, and they'll be missing some guys at Boston College this week too, including Cam Butler, who um, had an uh, had an issue. But uh, so yeah, they'll be playing less than a hundred percent in terms of personnel. But yeah, they 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 did a pretty good job of containing NC State's offense, really, and so pretty dangerous offense with Brennan Armstrong. Even though um, we're not sure Armstrong is is as good as his reputation was here two years ago. We've, we discussed that heavily last week, but um, yeah, I, I thought Virginia's defense played really well and uh, well enough to win. Uh, they just uh, special teams, I think hurt them there at the end uh, and, and made it almost impossible for them to stop state under uh, the game winning circumstance by giving up, field position but uh overall the the defense played pretty well they they didn't give up too many big plays um they did a decent job against the run which they have been gashed a lot uh, heading into that game and and i think as you pointed out uh, maybe last week that a lot of those yards were coming right up the gut uh if you can't stop people from running your a gap you're you're almost defeated before before things get started. So um, it looks like they've done something about that, and they'll need to against Boston College because BC runs a, a power running game, but um, they have a quarterback who's dynamic and can spread the field as well. So they're going to be tested uh, big time at BC, a team that can run at you or run around you. So um but yeah, that, they made some strides, and, and it was about time because you know we, as we've said many times, they they had eight starters returning on defense, plus a couple other guys, Malcolm Green who had started some games at Clemson and transferred in, Sam Westfall who had started some games at SMU and transferred in, so uh, the, they had a wealth of experience on that side of the football, and. Um, now they're they're having to play some freshmen to try to not only build depth but to actually uh, start in some cases like like Cam Robinson did uh, last week against State and and he played his butt off. They just they need some other freshmen to be able to step in and do that as well this week. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. 
Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Yeah, they got a couple of big stops. The second half, really. I mean, every time there'd be an issue with the offense, uh, there were there was the one long pass interception, tip drill interception uh, that could have been a big play for Virginia. It turned out not to be. There was the interception that uh, Colangelo threw uh, basically in the end zone. I think the guy caught it at the one-yard line, the stifled a drive. The defense kept getting stops and giving the offense the ball back with a chance to tie it, and they eventually, the offense eventually did. You talked about the special teams. This is three straight weeks now where special teams has factored into a loss. I know the 42-14 loss to Maryland doesn't seem like that, but it was 14-0 first quarter, kickoff return touchdown, changes momentum completely. Of course, the JMU game, block punt for a touchdown, you lose by one point. Um, you mentioned, gosh, just in, in, in the last 36 seconds, not only the two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on the offense on that tying touchdown and two-point conversion, but then – um, so that that put the special teams back kick off of the 20 yard line, but then they allow a 35 yard return. Then there's a penalty on the uh, first field goal attempt from 48 yards that gives NC State a second chance from 33 yards. Um, I mean, arguably two of the three losses that we talked about, this team could be two and two if special teams was just not even great, just not getting in the way. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the worst things you can do is, is give up a touchdown with your special teams. It's, it's just a, a cheap gift, really. Um, and like you said, the 98-yard kickoff return against Maryland it completely swung the momentum. Uh, JMU, I think, returned a punt for a touchdown and then blocked the, the punt uh, down in, in the end zone. So, um yeah, these gaffes are, are, are just killing them. And, uh, you know, the fact that they had to kick the ball off from a, uh, from further away because of that unsportsmanlike penalty on the two-point conversion. Um, and NC State's Gray, uh, James Gray, I think uh, – He's a really good return guy, dangerous return guy. He returned at like 37 yards. So they were almost in field goal range just off the kickoff return. All they had to do was essentially gain a first down or and 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 they were in position to win the game. And they they just keep stepping on shooting themselves in, in their own foot. And they've done it week after week after week. And at some point that's got to stop. Are you you can't beat anybody making those kind of mistakes. I don't, I don't care how well you play on offense or defense. If your special teams keep just handing points away and field position away, it it just makes it twice as hard to win a football game. Yeah, the the you you talked about this last week, Jerry, and I'll, I'll verify the numbers for this week again. Uh, the the kick coverage units and and punt coverage units are both. Uh, there's 133 teams. They're both in the 115 to 125 range. Um, the uh, the punt return and kick return units are also ranked pretty low. The the two major rating services, Pro Football Focus and ESPN's Football Power Index, uh, both give overall ratings to the special teams unit of 115 or below. Um, I mean, these are these are glaring things. And every week, Coach Elliott's asked about it at the press conference, and every week he says we're working on it. 
Um, these were issues last year. Also, last year, also the special teams units had those those same low rankings in the one fifteen plus range among one hundred and thirty one teams last year. There are two new FBS teams this year, so this is not a new problem, unfortunately, for Virginia football. Um, something to get fixed there, no doubt. So we've talked offense, defense, special teams. Um, are there uh, any injury updates to you, you? I think you talked about Cam Butler. That's the most significant one. He was playing really well last week before he went down. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that one really hurt him. Uh, and I, 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 he had an MRI out uh, on his shoulder. Uh, they, they weren't sure if it was his pec or his shoulder. They were hoping that uh, it was his pec rather than shoulder. And uh, we know that he won't play this week. We don't know how bad uh, the injury is, and we probably won't know until Saturday. Um, so we, we don't have an update on him except the fact that he just simply won't play. Uh, Lex Long uh, will also be out. Um, I was looking for my injury list here. Um, there were uh, another guy, another guy. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, Long is definitely not available. Um uh, Smiley is questionable. He's coming off concussion protocol. Um, I'm trying to think. I think there was somebody else that's not available this week uh, or maybe questionable. Um, maybe Ahern. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, they're going up there shorthanded for sure. And that puts a lot of pressure on a defense that uh, – it's going to be tested anyway because BC is offensively. I think Tony used the word scary because we're used to seeing BC uh, line up in, in sort of the old Big Ten football style of uh, big linemen and, and running right at you with a power running game, and and they have that element. But the the quarterback that they uh, brought in, he's a transfer from Central Florida, uh, Thomas. Castellano, he's one of these uh, dual threat guys who uh, can pull the ball down and run. They they can spread you out and throw it. Um, he he didn't do all that great against Florida State last week. I mean uh, Louisville last week because they got pummeled out there, fifty six to twenty eight. But <clears throat> he was seventeen of thirty three for two hundred sixty five yards and three touchdowns. But the week before that, when they could have easily knocked off Florida State, he put up 400 yards on the Seminoles, and uh, 95 of that was with his feet on the ground. So <clears throat> he's a guy who can, I think uh, Tony said, you know, he, he's not looking for four yards when he runs. He's more like Armstrong. He's looking for 40. So uh, <clears throat> he's, he's a guy that uh, – is going to test Virginia's defense. They're going to have to be really sharp because if the play's not there and it breaks down, then you know that that's his strong suit is to improvising on the run, and he'll take off with it, and he'll hurt you if he can. Which means you've got to probably assign a spy, a linebacker or safety, to to mirror him, and then that takes a guy out of pass coverage, which is an issue too. Um, 
the uh you know yeah the 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 issue for boston college you you mentioned the game two weeks ago a lot of us probably watched that game the last two friday nights virginia fans have have had football games so saturdays we've had off so we can watch other games more easily um the the florida state game where boston college led early florida state went on a run it was 31 10 boston college made it 31 29 had had everybody in the acc not just florida state worried because Florida State's the team that the ACC needs to hang its hat on right now as far as the college football playoffs concerned. Um, but uh, last week, the loss to Louisville. Louisville scored on its first seven – scored touchdowns on its first seven possessions. Um, that would – even though Boston College scored 28 points, um, you know, the way the Virginia offense has been playing lately, it's been playing better. Um, that would suggest perhaps a chance for Virginia to, to you know, put some points on the board. What's Coach Elliott's – what are Coach Elliott's thoughts on – uh, how his offense might be able to attack that BC defense. Yeah, I asked him about that Tuesday. I, you know, I pointed out that you know BC had, uh, excuse me, Flo- uh, Louisville had 374 yards of offense in the first half alone, and seven plays of 27 or more yards. And uh, he said, "Well, we, you know, he acknowledged that, but he said we don't expect to see that. Uh, we expect to see more." of the defense that, that played Florida State well. And uh, it, it's a – I think they're a lot like NC State in the fact that they're built to stop the run first. <clears throat> and if Virginia fans noticed last week, uh, NC State would crowd the tackle box. So Boston College does the same thing. If you have six guys in to uh, – support the run they're going to have seven in the tackle box if you have seven guys in to support the run they're going to have eight in the tackle box so if that's the case it's going to be up to tony musket to recognize that and perhaps uh audible to a another uh, a pass play that can get outside of that tackle box and uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Virginia handles that. Um, they're also going to face some a little bit of man coverage and some bump and run coverage. Uh, so he's going to have to be accurate with his throws when he does get a chance. Uh, it might be a, a it might be in a situation, Chris, where they finally get to use their tight end a little bit, or maybe throw it to Malik Washington out of the out of the slot and uh i'm sure bc will be paying a lot of attention to him after he was acc player or receiver of the week last week and had such a dynamic game against nc state with uh what do you have 11 catches or something for 170 yards 10 for 170 three straight 100 yard games for washington he never had a 100 yard game in his career up to that point he he put up some good numbers at, at northwestern at least last year yeah, he sure did. He, he almost had a hundred a couple of times, um, but yeah, he's been dynamic, and uh, it, that might open. I'm sure they'll be paying attention to him, so that might open some things up for Malachi Fields to have more of an impact this week uh, as well. So uh, Musket's going to have his hands full in trying to recognize what defense BC is in and and adjust to it on the fly and see if they can find a way to move the chains. Uh, uh, BC, um, you know, 
I think Tony said that they, you know, they they might have seen some things there that they can exploit uh, in the passing game if they're going to load the tackle box with so many defenders. So uh, I think there'll be opportunities there. I'm sure they saw some things in that Louisville film that will will help them a little bit. And it's just a matter of whether they can take advantage of them or not. Can they block enough, basically? That was the issue in the Tennessee game. Tennessee plays very similar. Actually, to this point, this is the fifth game where we're hearing about, you know, basically it seems like the the thing in college football maybe is to load a tackle box, take away the run, make make people beat you uh, with passing um, and, and, and put pressure on the quarterback and make him get rid of it quickly. Uh, that may be the new trend, but we're certainly seeing it in Virginia's games. Uh, Musket didn't do so well against Tennessee's defenders in that respect, but uh, he's he's certainly got experience in playing against that kind of a, uh, a pressure defense. Um, and so uh, I was going to ask one thing too. I, I, I you know, t- Coach Elliott was asked at the press conference about the three penalties in the last minute uh, that that uh, changed things up uh, as Virginia tied the game and then lost the game on the final play. Uh, he was asked about that in reference to his comments from the Duke game last year, um, where Virginia had a number, I think it was six 15 yard penalties in that game that uh, afterwards he said uh, some of the effect of uh, if, if, if we're going to keep doing this, I'm going to not play guys uh, and how different what happened on Friday night last week was compared to that Duke game. I will point out in his defense that uh, he said after that la- game last year against Duke, you know, Hey, if this continues to happen, I'm not going to play guys. Uh, that seemed to have an effect. That was five games into the season last year. At that point, going into through that game uh, last year, which was the halfway mark effectively for Virginia football last season, Virginia was leading the ACC in penalty yards per game at 72.4 uh, yards per game. Um, thereafter, the last five games, Virginia actually got it down to 52.1 yards per game penalty yards. So they did knock 20 yards a game off. The discipline, the focus on discipline did work. And this year, Virginia averaging, it's it's under 52. I think it's 51.3 yards per game in penalty yards per game this year. So um, they can still improve upon that, but they, they've they improved from where they were before that, or, you know, up to that Duke game last year. But that said, those three penalties in the last minute really do stand out because they were the difference in the game. Yeah, the one against Ty Furnish down on the goal line uh, that moved the two-point conversion attempt back to the seventeen. Uh, <clears throat> Coach Elliott said that the, the it had been really chippy on the offensive and defensive trenches the whole game, and apparently Furnish <clears throat> was retaliating. And as we often see in college football, pro football, high school football, the the guy who retaliates is the one that gets the flag. So <clears throat> uh, even though it, it was a difficult penalty to swallow, they they were able to, able to overcome it um, thanks to Calandria's um, ability to scramble with football. But um, so I, I don't think he was overly upset with Furnish uh, because, again, it was a retaliation and it had been a lot of stuff going on in the trenches all night long. So uh, I'm not sure he was uh, – going to lose any playing time because of that. And then Calandria, as we know, uh, his, his helmet was almost knocked off on the play uh, when he hit the ground, and he uh, took it the rest of the way off and stood up and did the little pose, but um, he, he wasn't penalized for taunting. He was penalized for taking his helmet off, and that's 
you know, just a freshman mistake. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? You got to learn by uh, experience. Um, and that cost them the field position on the kickoff return. And then uh, James Jackson vaulting the center. You, you, you can't, you can't uh, do that. You, you can't vault be vaulted over the center. You can um, perhaps do it for on another part of the line, but not over the center. So um, I don't I think, think the gonna... issue too was he was behind the line of scrimmage and took a running start and left. And that's, that's also, yeah, yeah. that yeah, was an you... issue last year um, yeah. on the punt against Georgia tech, Lavelle Davis, who didn't get much time on the punt team uh, had a similar penalty against him. Um uh, for for leaping, as they call it, it's a it's a weird penalty when you hear it in the crowd. Leaping? What's what's leaping? But that's what that is. Yeah, you can't get a running start and leap over a lineman and and block a a kick. So, um, I'm I'm not sure. I don't think any of those guys are going to be benched for that. But uh, I'm sure that they have been reminded daily about it in in practice this week, and I wouldn't think would make that mistake again. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer, personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Good Feet Store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo! Wah. <laughs> Certainly hope not. That's right. Well, um, we've covered a lot here, Jerry. What else uh, on your mind was as far as the game tomorrow? It's a 2 o'clock kickoff on the CW for those watching from home, um, which will be a lot of us. Uh, it'll be a first experience for me watching an ACC game on the CW. Um Sure, it's just watching a football game, but uh, uh, you got to. The one, the hard part is going to be finding out what channel is the CW locally. That, that <laughs> I don't know that I've ever watched the CW intentionally. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think I have either. So this this will be a first for almost everybody, most likely. Um, I, I don't think there was a whole lot more that uh, that came up during the press conference this week. Uh, that we haven't already discussed, but, um, you know, there is a possibility, I guess, that even if Musket starts, um, Tony could play two quarterbacks in the game. I've never been in favor of that kind of a two-quarterback system, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we would happen to see that against Boston College. particularly if Musket struggles a little bit, uh, particularly early in the game, well, I don't know that we would see him taken out and not come back in unless Calandria comes in and just catches fire. But um, we could see some quarterback shuffling on Saturday, uh, depending on the flow of the game. I'll say on that point, I hope not for both guys. Uh, I'll, I'll say because if you're musket and, you, you know, if he struggles the first drive, I mean, you know, second drive, and then you bring Calandry in and he does well or he struggles, then where do you – I mean, where do you go from there? And then 
you know, the continuity of the offense. What if, what if they're playing? Well, if they're playing well, maybe you don't go to Calandria. Um, sometimes you see co- coaches who want to do the two quarterback shuffle. They'll, they'll tell the guys before the game, Hey, third drive Calandria, you're the guy, um, or fourth drive, whatever that might be. You're the guy. Um, but then, you know, if, again, if the offense is moving well, scores, scores on his first drive or two, uh, how do you go about that? Also, you know, if <laughs> let's just throw the scenario out there, Musket doesn't do well. And then Calandria comes in and does well. You know, do you have a quarterback controversy on your hands then? And I think we kind of kind of do now, but boy, uh, you know, this isn't, I mean, what you want to see if you're a Virginia fan, if Musk starts, you want to see him start and finish, play well, get the win, um, and kind of go from there. Because if anything else happens, if Musk starts and the offense struggles, oh man, you know, right now, Jerry in print, it's probably just me and, and you raising the questions but if if musket goes out there and struggles and virginia loses this this could get ugly yeah a quarterback controversy would definitely escalate then i i mean just looking this week calandria is averaging like you said 311 yards passing per game in his three starts and that's uh that's second in the acc in yards per completion 14.65 yards per completion uh, number two in the ACC, Chris, and the ACC has some pretty good quarterbacks. I've got him in the pass efficiency ratings for the ACC just behind Drake May, the guy who's a Heisman Trophy candidate. I mean, that's he's yeah. putting up good numbers. Yeah, I mean, you can't have any qualms with, with what this freshman has done. It's a, totally unexpected. Uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming, even the coaches. Um I'm so, not sure Calandria uh, saw it coming. He was he was in maybe in, not. In the yeah. spring, he was the number three quarterback. I mean, we, when Jay Wolfolk was still around and there was the co- quarterback competition between Wolfolk and and uh, uh, Musket for the starting job, Calandria was prepared. He was fighting to be the number three guy with the uh, you know the guys behind him. All of a sudden, he started three games, averaging 311 yards a game, putting up good numbers. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not sure back in the spring he could have dreamt this at this stage. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, he was in a battle with Delaney Crawford and Davis Lane for – yeah. For the third spot. And yeah. neither one of those guys are playing quarterback anymore, but yeah. uh, that just shows you how quickly things can change in, in college football. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, he was probably, he was probably, he might have been thinking about transferring then for all we know. For all we know, right? <laughs> but I'm thinking about like in the Mike London era, that was a defining issue of the Mike London era was the inability to sort of establish a starting quarterback and stick with the guy um you know i'm thinking 2012 2013 2014 there were some you know there were some talented teams there but they could just mike london his offensive coordinators because there were there were a couple of guys could just never you know ride a quarterback whereas in the bronco era for good or bad you know kurt banker's first year you know obviously virginia's offense struggled but you know, they, they second year, he led them to a bowl. Bryce Perkins took over for two years. You know, they built there. Then Brennan Armstrong was quarterback. Um, there was stability at quarterback with with him. And then going way back to the George era, because uh, I think quarterback quarterback uh, continuity was an issue after Matt Schaub and after Marcus Higgins. Um, there was there was quarterback stability issues for Al Grove. But you go back to the to the Welsh era. I mean, you had it was a progression. You know, there was a guy. Then after that guy graduated, there was another guy. It was it was it was pretty set in stone. You have if you can't you know decide on a quarterback here between these two guys, 
um, that's 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 what leads to problems for coaches. Oh, no question about it. And I think that's why these days uh, most coaching staffs will recruit at least one quarterback every year because uh, some people are not going to be happy. Some people are going to transfer. Some people are going to lay an egg and, and not be capable of, of moving the ball in, in a college football scenario as opposed to high school. And um, it's, uh, it's a, become a giant game of musical chairs all around the country. Used to be just quarterbacks. Now it's every position. But still, the quarterback is the one that gains all the attention because these guys are difference makers. And, um, I mean, how many – you look around the top 20 schools in the country, j just about everybody changes quarterbacks almost every year, either through the transfer portal or, or sign in a hot – uh, the hot recruit out of high school. So uh, it, it's a wild ride. And, and Virginia hasn't had much of that, but who knows if, if something can't get settled on here in a hurry. Well, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, Jerry, let's uh, let's thank the, the folks who make this possible for us to get the uh, content out to our listeners and viewers uh, free of charge. Absolutely. Uh, Aberdeen Barn. Uh, Angela and Terry over there with uh, the Virginia's finest steakhouse. I think they were just voted the uh, number one steakhouse in Charlottesville in the recent uh, pollings by all the uh, citizens around the, the, the city, county, etc. cetera. Uh, great atmosphere, great food. Uh, you can't beat it. And um, you owe it to yourself if you haven't been there to, to give them a chance uh, it's a great dining experience. Uh, one of the things I like too, Chris, is some of those waiters over there, they've been there forever. So um, just really great service, great food, great atmosphere. So go by the Aberdeen Barn. Uh, Good Feet store over at Stonefield Shopping Complex. Uh, their store is right across the street from the theater. Uh, they design special arches for your feet. Uh, you don't have to have a problem, but if you do, that can really help your walking, running, standing, uh, dancing, if that's your thing. Um, I think there was a professional dancer who's doing a uh, commercial for them who said that that solved her problem for sure. Uh, Jonathan Cotton, who owns the store, he bought it because he was a runner, Chris, and he was he had plantar fasciitis, and uh, couldn't find a solution until he went into uh, a good feet store and that completely took his discomfort away. And he was so impressed that he bought the store. Now uh, they're one of the hottest uh, growing stores in the mid Atlantic. They're all over the place, Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland, DC. Um, so uh, go by and see the good feet people. They can, they can help you immensely. And also, uh, Roback, um, one of the, also a, a really fast growing company, uh, based in Charlottesville, UVA people. Um, they have a plant there right on 29. And, um, I did have it confirmed, Chris, that, uh, one of the, the, the ladies who's, uh, CEO, uh, one of the CEOs who, who's, I think, 
she said she's going on pregnancy leave, and apparently she's good friends with Ed Orgeron, the former Mississippi and LSU head coach, um, who's known for saying, go Tigers, uh, at the end of every interview. Uh, he's He's been working with them. He's been to Charlottesville. He's been uh, – I saw a, a commercial on Twitter where he's uh, going through the uh, – the plant uh, giving pep talks to the workers and doing all kinds of coaching type things to the, the coaches. And uh, he, he even tried to get him to change the logo on the shirt from the dog to the tiger, but I don't think they're going to budge on that one, but uh, it's a funny commercial if, if you get a chance to see it, but uh, uh, they have great sportswear, activewear, uh, very comfortable fitting clothing. Um, and they have a men's line, a women's line. They even have a new uh, category of UVA stuff that you can order. So go to our website, click on the Roback ad, and uh, get 20% off your first order. It helps us, and it helps Roback, another Charlottesville company. So uh, we thank all these great sponsors for allowing us to bring you free content uh, on the website and on the podcast. Maybe we should see if Robot can loan us Coach O for a motivational session for us with, you know, jerryradcliffe.com, augustafreepress.com, uh, give, him, give him to us for an afternoon. I'm not sure we'd understand what he was saying, but he would motivate <laughs> us. I guarantee you that. He has his way. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think I'd be writing stories. I'd be out blocking and tackling, but I'd still be, I'd be doing something. Uh, Coach O can get you to do that. He'd get you to run through a brick wall. Um, um, so that's great. That's great to hear. Well, for Jerry Ratcliffe, the Hall of Famer, I'm Chris Graham signing off. Go to jerryratcliffe.com. Go to augustafreepress.com for the latest on Virginia sports and more. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for watching, and everyone have, please, a great week.